Hey, welcome to another episode of our Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan, sir. And I'll tell you what, uh, today is a special treat for you. Greg Gard, head basketball coach at the University of Wisconsin men's team. It is He is a terrific coach, and he is someone that has paid his dues. He's come up through the ranks. I think you'll love his story of how he got into coaching and the great people that he's learned from. And he is a continual learner who keeps getting better and better. And I think, you know, even this season with a lot of injuries, he, you know, you know, you know, kept grinding with his team to pull off two fabulous wins late in the season to be two great uh, NCAA tournament teams. But I think you're going to find a guy who you would easily want your son to play for, uh, you know, a kid that you coached in high school play for because he's so authentic and such a good teacher and has learned from great people. So after this break, uh, you'll enjoy Great Guard. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Really excited today to have the head coach of the University of Wisconsin, Greg Gard, on with us. Coach, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, Brendan. Well, hey, uh, you know, I, you know, and and doing so much research on you, my friend, uh, you you've never left the damn state of Wisconsin, have you? And, no, I've been I've been fortunate. Cool. You know, I've been fortunate, yeah. or I guess however you categorize no. it, you know, yeah. to be able to move and and transcend in this profession and and not leave my home state. It's been pretty unique. Oh, I mean, uh, you know, my gosh, uh, you know, as my I've been in forty five years now, and heck, I grew up in New Jersey and. Other than a two-year stint with the Nets, haven't been back. You know, I mean, right. you know, and 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 you know what? And but I envy though, you know, the ability to be able to go to school there, undergrad, and everything, and then, you know, coach, and then be within the state, and then of course working for the incredible flagship University of Wisconsin. Was that a dream come true for you? Well, it, it was, but you know, I never operated Brendan with what was going to happen down the road. I always tried to take the approach of just doing the very best. I could at the current job I was in and mm-hmm. whether that was way back when I started in 1990, 1990 actually as a junior high coach, I was going to college and when most, most college students were trying to pay their own way by bagging groceries and working other side jobs. My side job was coaching a junior high team from three until five in the afternoon for $725 the first year. And, um, you know, just, it was a, it was a labor of love. I, I, you know, I played college baseball for a very short stint until I couldn't hit the college curveball and then got uh, cut from that. Um, so then I wanted to find something else that could still, 
you know, it was a pa- athletics were always a passion of mine, and it really started with not with this position in mind. It, it kind of has matriculated to this over the last 28 years. But uh, I've been very fortunate to be around terrific people at the right time. Um, but I've also made sure that I enjoyed every spot I was at, whether it was that first eighth grade team or all the way now where we have uh, where we have the opportunity to coach the Badgers. Talk about the relationship with Bo Ryan. How did that all start? Well, it actually started back. I was a camper of his in in nineteen eighty eighty four. I was an eighth grader uh, coming to the Steve Yoder basketball camp at Madison. Oh and my gosh! Bo had just taken the Platteville job that summer. Uh, that spring, he was still working the the Wisconsin basketball camps. hadn't established or moved to Platteville yet and to start camp. So that was really the first part of it, first start of it. Um, and then uh, over the next four years, as I was coming through high school, I went to his camps in Platteville and got to know him. And then I ended up going to school for undergrad at UW Platteville. And like I said, uh, while I was doing that junior high job I just mentioned previously. I was also working his summer basketball camps, and that's kind of where it all started, where eventually one day he pulled me in and said, hey, it's enough of this high school and junior high stuff. I want you with me. So that was after three years of of doing that, and I coached in high school as well. And, um, you know, he he evidently saw something he really liked. And uh, like I said, I always tried to do a really good job, whether it was coaching a team in a summer camp or running a station. Uh, coaching that junior high team all the way to today. And I think that's philosophy and approach is it's been good for me. Obviously I know other people go at go with this profession with wanting to be a head coach by X date. And uh, I've always just tried to approach it in a day by day, make the best of the situation you're in approach. And it's, it's worked really well for me. You know, when I uh, was growing up and uh, my high school coach was UB Brown and, uh, you know, and I was the first camper at five-star basketball camp way, way long ago. And we had 48 campers. How about that? And, uh, and so I learned from all these incredible coaches. I ne- I remember that with 48 campers, Garf had the three camp lecturers were, well, four. It was UB Bob Knight, George Raveling, and Chuck Daly. And Chuck was wow. an assistant at Duke. Knight was at West Point. And Rav was an assistant at Villanova, and UB was my high school coach, was just a great teacher. And I, and every one of those people was incredibly influential because that's how you, back then, that's how we learned. And, and you know, and eventually, uh, you know, throughout my college career, all I did is work 10 weeks at camp a summer to learn how to coach. Right. And, right. and, and, and I think it's that's so different that now. The yeah. coaches don't, younger coaches don't do that as much. Right. You know, I, I, I know when I was, you know, in my early twenties, um, and getting into this, it was, you try to work as many as you could within reason. Um, like I said, most of them I did were with Bo at Platteville. And yeah. I think the other thing I learned from Bo so much and really appreciate now as I look back is he really emphasized not getting caught up in the level. And obviously he had been a division one assistant coach. Then he was a division three head coach. And, you know, as a young 20, 21, 22 year old, assistant um you're starry-eyed towards the top and he really i really learned from him and and after being with him for 23 years you really appreciated there's really good basketball really good coaches at every level (laughs) whether it's high school whether it's small college naia division three i mean it's there's terrific coaches and sometimes better coaches because 
I think that's what's helped us so much is that, you know, when you're Division three, you have non-scholarship or you're coaching in high school, you have to make the best of the guys that are walking down the hall. And, and you really learn how to coach and put a team together and, and get innovative with who you have. And it's not always dependent on recruiting the biggest and the best. So uh, you have to find other alternative ways at times to be successful and I think that's helped in terms of my development as a coach. Let me ask you this because I love Hall of Fame coaches I have so much respect but what was the things that Bo did best that you that that you observed or learned from him? I think two things one he kept the game really simple mm-hmm. and and he he emphasized little things he, he didn't try to make wild outside-the-box changes. Uh, he really stuck to his principles, and that was probably even more so when things weren't going well. You know, we, we had great success here in Madison when he was here and uh, terrific success at Platteville. I was in a rebuilding job with him at Milwaukee, but he always stuck to what he believed in and didn't waver from his principles, and, and that got even truer when the boat got rocking the most. And that's what I've always said about Bo is he, he was at his very best when the – when the waves were the highest and I think any good leader is you really buckle down and you focus on the things that are important in the times of of adversity and and second guessing and and keep pushing forward and that's that's helped me it helps you know we've had two really good years since I've taken over and we had a year last year we had to deal with injuries and youth and and when you're going through that and not having maybe the results you want you when you're able to anchor back to some really foundational beliefs and stick to it and know that at the end of the day, you're going to come out okay. It's just a matter of working through that and not flinching, so to speak. Uh, that that type of experience and reflection in terms of my career and those many office chats or times with, with Bo it has become you know very useful. You know, I, watching your team this year, uh, I thought at the end of the year, you know, your team was playing as well as it you know, I mean, I mean, you were so competitive. I can recall two games. One was the Michigan State game, and then the other was Purdue, where you took them both right at the wire. I mean, just they were just amazing games, and and those teams were both capable of winning the national championship. I felt. Yeah, and we, you know, we came from getting beat by over twenty five at Purdue in mid January to beating them here in, in that was amazing. Uh, you know late February. So. That this team did grow a lot, um, you know. Same thing with Michigan State. We played them twice within five days, and one was a three-point game, one was a five-point game. And you know, our our recipe for success here has always been get old and stay old. And for the first time in a long time, we weren't, and we had a lot of freshmen get experience, and you combine that with some key injuries to to specific positions, and that's you know. And but I, I there's a huge amount of credit goes to our players and our staff for how they stayed the course, like I said, and didn't flinch when, when there was a lot of uh, wonderment going around in terms of where are we going, how are we going to get out of this, and they did a terrific job that of uh, uh, really utilizing the experiences they've gotten, and it's helped us through the offseason here with our spring and now into our week, into our summer work. Uh, there's no doubt that the experience that they got this past year is going to pay off down the road here. Hey, when as an assistant, now when you get to move over those fabulous and famous 18 inches to become a head coach what it's were, different i'll oh, tell you that oh <laughs> man Besides, i mean you know it, it, the, what are the the biggest learning experiences after the fact you know we we all think we know what's going to happen when we do it and then all of a sudden those plans some many times due to injuries or whatever kind of go up in flames but what did you learn and you had to take over right in december uh, right. of 2015 when bo stepped down yeah, I think one thing that 
that I learned right off the bat, and you know it and you believe it, but until you have to go through it, you never get put to the test. It's just you be yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't be Bo. There, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's obviously a terrific, had a terrific career. But at, while my philosophies and ideologies were very similar, if not the same, in terms of how we viewed the game, because obviously that's where I cut my teeth mm-hmm. in the career. I, I knew that I could not, um, I could not be him. I can't emulate him. I can't try to, you know, talk like him. I can use some of the same foundational principles in terms of how, how we want to play. But at the end of the day, I need to be myself, and I think that's one thing that uh, I learned very quickly is that you have to be comfortable in your own skin. Um, you have to be willing to. You have to make your own decisions and take ownership of it. And uh, you know, I had great advice from our athletic director here, Barry Alvarez, who's a Hall of Fame football coach himself, and um, that was one of the very first things he said: "Hey, just be yourself and make it about the players." I think that was the other thing. You get, you get to be a head coach, you get so many. You know, and obviously different levels, the lights get brighter and you get pulled in so many more different directions at this level. But but really focusing on the things that matter and the things that matter are my 18 guys in my locker room. That's that's number one. And you get you can't lose focus when there's so many other distractions and media obligations and uh, personal appearances and speaking engagements and all you can just get spun. I always say it's like living in a snow globe. You know, you have those snow globes where you shake them up and the snow's flying everywhere in it. That's how the feeling you get at times when you're in this position and you really got to try to focus on the things that are important. And I think that's the two things I've learned is be yourself and, and make it about, don't lose sight of the true core of why you're doing this and who you're doing this for and that's our players you know the big 10 is an amazing conference 14 uh tough schools no nights off in the in the conference tough venues to go on the road to play against um and every guy can really coach and so how how is that and and then i think you guys you know you really shook up the schedule last year to uh, obviously to play in new york uh, you know, in the postseason tournament. So you even started your conference play earlier, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, are we going to do that again, or do, or was that a? Was um, that a we will. They'll, in terms of going back to New York, they'll look at that down the road. It was just a matter we had to move it from a conference standpoint because the only weekend where we could get Madison Square Garden or exactly. a five day window where we could get it. So we will be we will be playing two games this next year in early December, not because of what the impact of the conference tournament has, but it's because we're going to 20 conference games. That's what I knew so you were, you were expanding. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we're the first uh, I think BCS school or conference to do this and and go to this. So now for this first year anyway, we are going to have two games in early December. Um and you're right, though. This league is, I always say, there's no get well games. So you have to make sure you're uh, you're on point every night. There's no, you, you can't let your guard down, so to speak, and really have to play well because it doesn't matter where you go or who you're playing. You know, even the even the home road thing has kind of been, you know, years ago, Brendan, even 10, 15 years ago, it's, it was almost a home game was almost a layup. Even in conference play, you could almost yeah. predict. But now it's gotten, there's so much parity. And you see that across college basketball, but yeah, I get an up close view of it in our league. Sure. Um, it doesn't matter venue anymore because teams are so well prepared, so many good players, and you never know. You know it's just a, it's a game of inches at times, and and you got to make sure you're, um, you know, you you can't swing and miss. There's not many mulligans you get. Um, 
that you get some do-overs and some extra opportunities because they just don't exist. Now, you coached against these guys as an assistant, but what's it like, uh, you know, I mean, and you have done so well, but to go and play a guy, you know, because I've known, uh, let's say, Tom Izzo, you know, from when he started there (laughs) as an assistant. (laughs) But, I mean, the guy is an incredible Hall of Fame coach, and to go and to compete against guys like him, John Beeline, I mean, that that guy keeps getting better every year as a coach. And then Matt Painter, uh, you know, as good a coach as he is, he might be funnier as a guy. I mean, just uh, just down there. You have so many good coaches that you coach against competing. That brings out the best in you, right? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think for specifically in Matt and Tom's instance, in, in Coach Izzo's instance, Tom specifically, we had several talks throughout the years as my years as an assistant when I would see him on the road, just about career advice and those things. And I think the one thing that helped, and Tom was very much an ally for me and still is, and really a resource that I've leaned on at times because he, he's basically been in one state as well, other than yep. a little cup of coffee, coffee at Tulsa. We don't count the UP as part of Michigan, yeah. having lived there for years, but he can, that's okay. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, he, he's never left the state of Michigan. He was a longtime assistant at Michigan state. Um, he put coach for a hall of fame coach and Judd Heathcote. And I think he's kind of looked back yeah. in the rearview mirror of his career and saw how my career was kind of unfolding. So He's been very gracious with his advice and his, I've been able to consult with him on several occasions as I was going through this whole transition and still continue to lean, lean on him from time to time. And Matt, kind of the same thing, you know, taking over for Gene Cady and uh, maybe not being there as long as an assistant, but uh, the same type of when you have to step into or follow somebody that's had a uh, high level of success, um, you know, I think that's, it's you know, a very unique opportunity. You you can't, you got to embrace it. You have to make the most of it and understand that, uh, you know, you're in a wonderful opportunity and you've had a great role model in front of you and uh, try to make the, the best of it. And in John Beeline's case, you're, you're right about getting better and better. And I think he's uh, continuing to evolve as he's gotten into this league and adapted from being, you know, maybe coaching in, on the East coast to coaching back in the Midwest. So, um, it, it is, it's very challenging. They're not the only three. There's oh, other no, really, really no, good agree. coaches in our league. And, um, but like I said, two guys in, in Tom and Matt that have been, you know, influential and very, uh, um, forthcoming with advice in terms of what they've gone through as a career, mine being somewhat similar in terms of the path we've all taken. The, you know, one, one of the reasons and, uh, that the biggest reason that we do coaching you and try to help with our podcasts or, or, or events or anything is to try to help grow coaches because one of my big things is that, uh, you know, Tom Izzo was actually basically responsible for this years ago when I was at the Pistons, and he just said to me, in frustration, he said, Brendan, uh, I, I, I don't get to do as much basketball as I want. They have me fundraising, hiring ADs, hiring every. They want me involved in everything. Besides my, and, and so we actually conducted a study and we found out in our study that uh, 17% of the head coaches spend time on basketball nationwide, nationwide. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's very true. I, I would probably say if I broke down my time allotment, so to speak, I would say it's between 20 and 30% of my time is actually on basketball and the rest of the time is, is on a variety of things, uh-huh. all very good and but, all. Yeah. It's part necessary, of the, but it's all part the things of the you've talked about, everything except basketball, um, 
is where the other 70% sometimes goes. And and their assistant coaches, this is the frightening part, and this is my big thing with assistant coaches trying to develop them because we have four or five times as many assistants as head coaches is that they only get to spend 10% of their time. And I'm not including their scouts, you know. I mean, just actual. And this is a real problem for them because, uh, you know, in the pros, assistant coaches spend 100% of the time on basketball Head coach is 90% on basketball. So with Billy Donovan, Brad Stevens, it's 90% or more. Only 10% is for media. <laughs> That's it. Right. And so it's not saying one's better than the other. But my thing is, is that by osmosis, you get better if you spend more time on something. And so I have to encourage always our young coaches who, you know, are saying, hey, I'm recruiting. I have to keep up with academics. Sure you do. But you know what? Find time every day to learn, to work, to read, right. you know, and stuff like that. You have to do it by yourself. There's not going to be like, hey, we're going to take a week or two for a seminar to go and learn. You have to do this every day on your own. Uh, thoughts on, on development of uh, your staff and, uh, you know, of yourself. I, I know it's a big part for you. Yeah, I think the one one thing I've kind of looked at here, I've had a uh, a lot of different people uh, come in and talk to my team and whether it's been, I, I've always felt Brennan, um, you know, success in sports is not always sports specific. So I will mm-hmm. lean on whether it's our football staff here, or like I mentioned before, coach Alvarez and all his expertise and, and utilize those type of voices and experiences with our team and also with our staff. I mean, I've had Mike McCarthy with the green Bay Packers wow. come in and talk. I've had Aaron Rodgers come, uh, We've just had we just had Shaq in our locker room. He was here for a golf event last week, so he talked to our team and um, and try the same type of experiences Great. with our with our uh, coaching staff. And, and I'm although I own about every leadership book there is, um, I haven't read them all, uh, <laughs> but I, I assign books too. We we are right now in the in the midst of with our team book this summer is Chop Wood Carry Water. So we're doing very good. They're we're assigned was, into Joshua groups. Was they're all good. reporting yeah. on each chapter and give a little two minute. Uh, you know, feedback to the team on what they pulled out of the chapter. So that's been good in terms of you know, not only getting uh, some communication skills evolved and, and getting younger guys out in front of a group and it's helped with that, but also for our coaches, it's been thought provoking and different ways that how can we help continue to build the team. And I, I throw a lot of responsibilities at them too, in terms of whether it's scouts or um, one area of the game or another to study throughout the summer and, you know, whether it's go go pull all of Brad Stevens after timeout plays and let's study mm-hmm. him and let's look at everything the Golden State's doing with, with Curry and, um, you know, just different things of how we can continue to evolve. And sometimes it fits and, and sometimes it doesn't fit in terms of your personnel or where you're you're going with your team or your program. But I think you're right. You, you have to continually evolve. You have to continue to cha- challenge yourself. Um, you have to continue to push yourself to get better. Um and then maybe that even as simple as go back. I usually watch our game films minimum two times after we play immediately, sometimes more depending on the outcome and what I felt was mm-hmm. whether things went good or bad, but also going back through it again this summer and I'll go back through all 30 some games and, you know, that will be, you know, I've watched each game four or five times by the time you're done. And you can, it's amazing how many things as you go back through it, especially when you're in the summer, when you're maybe not consumed mm-hmm. so much as as getting to next right away with next game or uh, next scout or next practice, that you have time to sit down and really digest it and take your time and go through it. You you see so many more things that maybe you didn't see back in December, January, or February. 
Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Greg, you know, I, I, one of the things that I, uh, that actually I, I, I found myself, <laughs> at, you're not at that stage yet, but I, I found it to be really helpful. A couple, several years ago, I literally, uh, I was in a, um, I was in a learning session and uh, the person said to me, you know, why do you coach? And all of a sudden I had like, you know, man, it like just came over me. Well, you know, I've done it for 30 something years and, you know, but it made me stop and ask. And, and I now use it in all my, uh, you know, workshops and everything. Why do you coach? Well, I think I, that's a great question. And I'll, I go back to that first junior high job that mm-hmm. I mentioned when we started sure. coaching eighth grade basketball, thinking I had the world by the tail, not, you know, never having a vision of this is what's going to happen 30 years later. But I, I reflected back on my experiences that I had as a player and all the great coaches and teachers and mentors and role models I had. And my really premise behind that was if I can give these young men that are 13, 14 years old at that time, Half the experience that I had that I received from my coaches, and I played three sports in high school, and like I mentioned, played a little bit of baseball in college, but had so many good role models and teachers, and that if I can relay even half of the experiences I had, then these guys are going to be that much better off. So it was more of a, it's about a passion for the game and about a willingness and a want to help others have a great experience. And uh, it was something I talked about. You know, when I took over, you mentioned taking over for Bo when he retired in mid-December of 2015. And really it was, it was, we had four months left of the season. We had a couple seniors on the team and uh, our mission was to let's have these three seniors have the best experience in their senior year that they can possibly have. Um, Whatever happens to us in the future as a staff, that'll play itself out. We'll be fine. The main focus is what can we do to make your experience, your last year in college, your junior year in college, your sophomore year in college, as rewarding, as fulfilling as possible? And uh, that that's, I think, sometimes that gets out of focus with people. There's so much, like I said, there's so much uh, pomp and circumstance gets thrown on our profession at times, the games and the media and everything that the true core of why we do what we do gets lost. And it's always good to 
slam on the brakes, slow down, reflect and look back and, and really understand why you do what you do and, and uh, peel back the layers, so to speak, to get to the core of it. And I think it helps you make it, makes you a better teacher, makes you a better coach. Like the one other thing that's made me a better coach is being a parent. I've got three young kids, 17, 15, and 10, and there's no doubt. Uh, Tom Crean told me that years ago that being a parent will make you a better coach. And mm-hmm. there's no doubt it does because you see things from the other side of the fence, so to speak, of what they're going through on a, on a daily basis. And it, and it helps you help your team and your players go through those same type of experiences. I, I think you just nailed it. I mean, in essence, I think that is why, you, uh, you know, that's why you coach. And one of my uh, dear friends said to me, uh, you know, not long ago, you know, he, he said, you coached in the NBA for all these years. Did they, did they really need you? You know, they, you know, did, did you know, you, you coached Isaiah Thomas, did he, Dominique Wilkins, did he really need you? And you stop and you pause and you really say, probably not. But you know what he said? He said, damn right they did because our role really in coaching, and it, it, it doesn't matter what sport we're in, it's about, coaching is about taking players where they can't take themselves. And I think it's, as Tom said, it's absolutely the same skill set in parenting. Oh, sure, every your, our kids would grow up fine, probably. But you know what? Hopefully, you, your wife. I mean, you're, you're going to help them get to where they couldn't get without us. I think that is that's one of the real value lessons. And the skill set, I think, in coaching, parenting, or running a business—they're all the same. I really oh, think. it is. It is, and a lot of parenting, parenting is is telling or guiding your kids in areas that they don't want to hear or they 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 don't want to they have to hear it but they don't want to hear it and and that's always the challenge in coaching is getting out of your comfort zone and and don't not lamenting on the things that the that your players want to hear you have to be um comfortable enough and confident enough to tell them and guide them where they what they don't want to hear but actually what they need to hear And, and there's a difference between the two um, and I think parenting is very much the same way that you're not always, you're not always popular and, uh, you know, but, but dad is, as they get more experienced and look back, you know, what I looked at back at my parents and you know what, I, when I was 16, 17, 18, I didn't agree with what they were saying. I look back now at 47, they were right on the money in terms of what they were telling me and how that. they were trying to guide me. So you, you have to be able to uh, have the, the confidence to, to push people through that uncomfortable level and and know that in the end uh, you're helping them like you said get to where they don't even know they can go and sometimes that's by telling them things that they have to hear not necessarily what they want to hear greg i was i was doing some personal coaching about 15 years ago while i was still coaching mba i was starting to do this on the side with some college coaching friends and one of my friends was i mean competing for national championships and i went to one of his practices and and he is cursing the players up and down i mean all practice and then at the end of practice he got his team together and they said the lord's prayer afterwards and i said i said is that how you finished after all that and uh, and he said no no that's that's how you got to coach you don't understand and i said really i don't understand okay i said well i think you need to improve and get better at that so i would recommend that you go home and you know, I want you to coach the way you coach today. I want you to try that on your beautiful wife and your four little children. See, see how that works. Oh, I can't talk like that to them. I said, then don't talk to someone else's kids like that. Right. And he totally flipped the script. Totally flipped the script. And 
and I'm so happy for him because he used to call what I what I was recommending soft coaching. Oh, that's soft coaching. It's so good because he was coached by someone who was like that. He modeled that person. And I think that goes back to that authenticity, Greg, that you talked about of being yourself when you do move over eight, ten right. inches and stuff. If uh, What do you think it's like to play for yourself? Well, hopefully they, they uh, think that I'm fair. Um, but at the same time, um, I have principles and, and guidelines that we have to adhere to. Uh, I think they, they understand I, you, you try to put them in positions to have success. You try to put them in positions that, you know, it gets talked talk so much about coaches giving players confidence, but really it's about putting them in positions where they can get their own confidence. Because if, if a coach is constantly having to feed confidence, now there's things where there's maybe little, um, you know, instances where you can talk here or there or motivate a player. But if you have to constantly feed somebody confidence, that becomes artificial. Mm -hmm. And I really felt that players, it becomes more substantial and more real if they can develop their own confidence. You obviously direct them in the right direction or point them in the right direction, kind of lay the foundation, so to speak. But hopefully they feel that, uh, you know, they're able to gain confidence and grow. Um, But like at the same time, I think there's a, I think, you know, I, one of the terms I've used is old school philosophies, but new school approach. Mm-hmm. And I think that's changed so much that how, like as you mentioned, how how coaches maybe coached in the seventies, the eighties, the sixties is so much different than how you have to relate to the to the young people today. Totally. Agree. In terms of communication, in terms of you know just their background, in terms of social media, what they've been exposed to, and 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 some of it, not all of it, is positive. You know, I've got young kids as I mentioned, and the 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 day and age as I use often with my team is they live in such a world of instant gratification, Snapchat, Mm -hmm. Twitter, um, you know, Facebook is kind of on the outside with these, these guys at this age. Um, but they want something immediately, you know, something goes out on social media, they have an immediate response. And the, the real life side of that is that it doesn't, the real life, your real life doesn't work like that. And we don't get things instantaneously. You have to work towards them and grow towards them. And you have to, I talk a lot about trusting the process and pushing through uh, adversity and and understanding you stay the course and not looking for a quick fix. Don't take a shortcut. So uh, just hopefully that's the message they get. And I don't think there's any silver bullet locker room speech or any silver bullet practice I have or we have. I I think it's just being constant and consistent in your vision and, and your purpose and what you want them to do. And hopefully as they continue to grow with that, they when they have the same vision and the same purpose, and I heard, you know, Tom Izzo say this many years, you know, your, your best coach teams are your player coach teams. And, and mm-hmm. when you can have a team take on that ownership and that responsibility and hold each other accountable, and, and that aligns with what your vision is as a staff or as a head coach, then you know you've got something really special and really unique with your team. So I think you're just trying to, like I said, step by step, you know, continue to mature and grow and, and, they all come in all shapes and sizes. You, you can't coach every, you know, every player on my team, all t- 18 of them. I can't coach two of them alike. So that's right. Understanding that and, but, and appreciating that. And uh, it's such a unique and wonderful opportunity we get to do to help impact and hopefully better uh, young people's lives uh, that you, you know, you find the right way and the proper way. Well, at the same time, sticking to your holding to your principles and what you truly believe in and what's best for our team is, 
is how you continue to push forward every day. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I would like to play for you, man. You're, you're special, and uh, and and I. It's easy to see why you're so successful, and it's also great to see. And I can. It's easy to see why you're a great dad. Uh, that, that's that's a special sauce right there, my friend. So. Greg, thank you so much for taking time to talk to our coaches that are listening every Wednesday on our podcast, and I know they're going to get a lot out of this. So thank you. Enjoy your summer. Uh, have a good recruiting evaluation period, and then uh, look forward to seeing you next season. Well, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Brendan. You're most welcome. Unbelievable, Greg Gard. I love his philosophy. I love his, uh, you know, the way he links, uh, you know, parenting and coaching, uh, connecting with young people. Uh, he's the real deal. I mean, he's the same as any of uh, high school coaches that are out there, small college coaches. He was one of you. He came up the old, I call it the old-fashioned way. He came right from the ground up. He came through with a great mentor in Bo Ryan. And I think you can see his philosophy is rock solid. And as a man, rock solid. So I hope you enjoyed it. He is really, really a good coach. Get a chance to watch his teams or watch his teams practice Take advantage of it. Special, special coach, Greg Gard. Hey, listen, um, we're down to about the last 10 days before, you know, or so till we go to Coaching You Live in Las Vegas, uh, July 9 and 10. And we only have, you know, under 20 seats left now uh, in our special VIP edition. So make sure if you want to come, make sure you get a chance. This is going to be, I said all season long, this is going to be the most special event we've ever had. And we, you know, we've, this is the first time we've gone from two or three events down to one, uh, all 30 teams in the NBA are out there having their summer league. So we've had a really great fortune in getting fabulous coaches to come and speak, share their knowledge, uh, and down the stretch here, the three or four head coaches that we're adding are off the charts. So this is going to be very special. I want you to make sure you're included. Uh, please sign up, coachingulive.com, and go to registers to grab one of the few remaining seats. I want you to really enjoy it. I don't want you to be able to just say, hey, I bought the videos. And, you know, that's great. I want you to get the videos if you're not there, but as part of the package of our VIP experience, you get all the videos, you get to watch all these coaches teach, you get to network with them, you get a, you know, the, you know, your meals, you sit and talk and eat with them, but more importantly, there's only a hundred of you there. You get, uh, you know, a coaching you t-shirt, a coaching you portfolio and a bag and all kinds of good stuff. But I think the biggest thing is there's nothing like a live event in anything. So look forward to seeing everyone out there. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sarah.